Take your Bibles and turn with me to Daniel 6. Daniel chapter 6. I want to direct your attention to verse 21 as we come to the table of our Lord this morning. There'll be a number of verses we look at in Daniel 6, but I want to start with verse 21. This is the passage that Pastor Jamie preached from last Sunday morning, and he concluded his message with reference to verse 21. Daniel answered the king, King Darius, after he had come out of the lion's den by saying, O king, live forever, and then notice the first five words, my God sent his angel. Those are beautiful words. My God sent his angel, my God sent his messenger. The Bible tells us that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed by Judas, that he he took bread and he gave thanks for that bread, and then he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After doing that, at the end of the meal, as they celebrated the Passover meal, uh, Jesus then took the cup and he held it in his hand and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood uh, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Paul tells us that Jesus then reminded them that this was for them and they were to do this in remembrance. And then he said, for as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim, we show, we present the Lord's death until, until he comes. In those words then, um, the Apostle Paul makes it clear that it is our duty to observe the Lord's table but it is not just a duty that is burdensome. It is a, it's not a burdensome duty at all, actually. It is, it is a joy. It is a joy for us to come to the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus, you understand this. To remember our Lord Jesus, then, at this time means something that will nourish our soul. It gives to us, by remembering him in the eating of bread and drinking from this cup, it gives to us peace in our hearts, and it fortifies the confidence that every believer has in the promise of the Lord Jesus that we will have eternal life in him and the forgiveness of sins. So if you personally have been touched by the grace of God, if you personally have received the Holy Spirit when you believed in Jesus and you are trusting in Christ, then we welcome you to come and partake and participate with us today at this table. If you have not yet had this experience of being touched by the grace of God and receiving God's Spirit and trusting in Christ, then we ask that you would observe and we, we encourage you to observe and to consider the truths that these emblems, these memorial pieces represent for us today. In this series in the book of Daniel, there are two things that we've discovered about Jesus in Daniel. The first is, is that there are a few occasions in the prophecy of Daniel where Jesus Christ is mentioned specifically. The first reference is in chapter two where we read that he is this rock that was, that was cut out, not by human hands, this rock that comes and, and crashes and smashes the, the successive empires and kingdoms of this world, that the kingdom of Christ will endure forever. The next direct reference we have to Jesus in the book of Daniel is in chapter 7 where we will be next Sunday morning where he is called the Son of Man who rides on the clouds. 
And then the last direct reference is in chapter 9 where he is described as the anointed one. And Lord willing, we will get to those passages in a few weeks' time. These are the passages that speak directly about the Lord Jesus. But all through the story of Daniel, we have pictures of Jesus. We have representations of Jesus. Daniel, in his words, in his writings, shows us Jesus. And in the prophecy of Daniel, the the Holy Spirit points to certain things in Daniel's life, and the Holy Spirit orchestrates specific events in Daniel's life that are, well, they present to us in, in a shadow form a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are allusions and, and parallels and foreshadowings of the Lord Jesus. Last Sunday morning, Pastor Jamie ended his message by bringing some of those things to our attention. In the last point that he gave us is that God provided one greater than Daniel. And I want to just focus for a moment as we come to the table on some of these things. In chapter 1, Daniel is, we know that Daniel is one of the sons of Judah in the line of the tribe of Judah. And we know that Jesus was also from this same royal line. And he is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. Here in Daniel chapter 6, after Darius had issued the decree that everyone should bow down and worship him, we know that Daniel refused. And in chapter 6, verse 10, Daniel went to his room immediately when he heard this horrific decree. And and Daniel got down on his knees, and the Scripture tells us here in verse 10 that he went to his home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, toward Jerusalem, an interesting reference to the city that he had left. And this reminds us of what Luke tells us in Luke chapter 9, that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knew what was going to come in Jerusalem. He knew that there he would be crucified, but he fixed his eyes on going to Jerusalem. When Daniel prayed in the silence of his room, we know that he was spied on by those who conspired against him. And his praying led to his arrest by the enemies who wanted to do away with with him. And this again reminds us of our Lord Jesus, who was arrested by those who were opposed to him after he had prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. Daniel chapter 6 points out to us that these conspirators against Daniel, they're mentioned in verse 4, the administrators and the satraps of King Darius's regime, that they conspired against Daniel, that they wanted to find something that they could use so that Daniel would be sentenced to death. And this reminds us of the fact that the chief priests and the elders assembled together at the palace of Caiaphas, the high priest, And Matthew 26 tells us that there they plotted to arrest and to kill Jesus. If you look at chapter 6, verse 4, it says that they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. There was no fault to be found in Daniel. And this reminds us of the Sanhedrin that met to conspire against Jesus, and they were looking for evidence, Mark tells us, against Jesus, but they couldn't find any. It also reminds us of what 
Pilate said to the murderous crowd when he said, I find no basis for a charge against him. Jesus was innocent. Daniel was innocent. We know that Daniel was found guilty, not of really transgressing any law of God, but of transgressing the unalterable law of the Medes and the Persians. And Jesus, too, was found guilty by the crowd For the Jews cried out, we have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he claimed to be the son of God. Here in chapter 6, Darius tried his best to save Daniel. We read of that in the 14th verse, that even though he had issued this decree, it was not his desire that Daniel would be put to death. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue rescue Daniel, made every effort until sundown to save him. But Darius was not successful in doing so. And this reminds us of Pontius Pilate, that he also tried to save Jesus. You remember a word came to him from his wife that she had had a dream in the night, and she warned him, her husband, not to have anything to do, and she said, with this innocent man? Pilate tried his best. He tried to get the crowd to take Barabbas instead of Jesus. But they wanted Jesus. They wanted his blood. And so Pilate handed Jesus over, and he washed his hands of Jesus' blood. In chapter 6, verse 23, we read that the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, out of the lion's den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God, trusted in his God. And this reminds us of our Lord Jesus who who trusted his Father completely. Remember, in the garden he prayed, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but, but not my will. Your will be done, indicating his complete trust in the Father. Father. And then in his final words from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In chapter 6, verse 16, we read that, that Daniel was thrown into this pit, into the lion's den. It was like a grave for him. And it reminds us of the Lord Jesus whose body was placed into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. In verse 17 of chapter 6, we read here that they took a stone and they moved it over the den where the lions were and they they sealed that stone, reminding us again of the fact that when Jesus was placed into the tomb of Joseph, they rolled a stone in front of the tomb and they sealed that tomb. But just as Daniel was found alive by King Darius the next morning, so on the morning, on the first day of the week, the three women arrived at the grave to discover that Jesus was alive. Daniel was vindicated by his God by shutting the mouths of the lions, and Jesus was vindicated by God in the fact that God raised him from the dead. And just as Daniel's salvation led to Darius praising the Lord, we have a record of his praise here in verses 26 and 27. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He's rescued Daniel from the power of the lions just as as Daniel's deliverance led to God being praised by Darius. So Jesus being exalted Uh, by the Father in in his resurrection and in his ascension into heaven leads to God the Father, according to Philippians 2, ultimately being glorified when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord.
In all of these ways, we see that Daniel pictures Jesus for us, gives us a little foreshadowing of what would come in the future in the Lord Jesus. But we all know this, that Jesus is greater than Daniel. If there's anything that stands out in the story, it's not that we should be like Daniel, but that we should trust in Jesus. Verse 21, I draw your attention back to that verse again. My God sent his angel. We are not like Daniel in the sense that that we somehow foreshadow him or we can be like him. No, we are only like Daniel in that as Daniel needed to be saved, so you and I need to be saved. Not from the lion's den, but from the penalty of sin. So we don't read Daniel 6 and, and we don't think, I gotta be like him. No, we read Daniel 6 and we should think, I need to be saved like Daniel was saved. And verse 21 says it all. My God sent his angel, literally messenger, the one who comes with a word from God. And God sent his son, his angel, his messenger to bring to us the word in the flesh. And in the sending of his son, he went to the cross and he died on the cross for our sins. Hallelujah. Let's bow our heads. Let's spend a few moments in silent prayer. And for the first part of this silent prayer, let's take the time right now in our hearts before God to acknowledge our need of of a Savior and to confess our sins to the one who died for us. Let's also recognize our Lord Jesus. This is our opportunity to tell him that we believe in him, that we believe in the cross, that we believe in his resurrection. This is our time to tell him that we trust him for our salvation. Let's take a moment now to thank him. To thank him for his grace. To thank him for the forgiveness of sins. To thank him for such a great salvation that he has given to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death on the cross. We thank you that you were sent by the Father. You came in obedience to his will, to fulfill his will so that we might have life. We thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. 
We thank you for the truth that everyone who believes in you receives the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for your promise that whoever believes in me will not perish, but will have eternal life. And we thank you for the change that you've brought about in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, that he lives within us, and that he gives to us your very life, and he leads us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Thank you for the new life that we have in the Holy Spirit. And thank you, Lord, for these emblems which remind us of all that you have done for us. As we eat and as we drink together now, we pray that you will draw close to us and that your presence will nourish our souls as we feed on you now. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.